Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We can all benefit from honest conversations with our boys about mental health. Now, listeners, I want to say at the outset of this episode, we include talk of suicide and suicidal ideation. So please take care while listening. While these are difficult conversations to have, they are essential and they can save lives. We are so glad you're here. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. We can all benefit from honest conversations about our boys and mental health. And listeners, I just want to say at the outset that this episode includes talk of suicide and suicidal ideation. So please take care while listening. And if you or a loved one are in crisis in the U.S., please call the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 or text 741-741. And while these are such difficult conversations to have, they are also essential conversations that can save lives. Some facts you must know as we dive in is that suicide is the second leading cause of death for 10 to 24 year olds, with boys and young men representing 80% of all youth suicide deaths. 22% of high school students reported seriously considering suicide in 2021. 10% of youth in grades 9 to 12 reported that they had made at least one suicide attempt. And that means in your son's class of 20 kids, at least two of them have attempted suicide. And sure, we don't even want to think about our son or his friends contemplating suicide, but the devastating reality is that likely you and your family have been impacted by a suicide, whether in your family, your school, or your community. Losing her son Charles to suicide in 2015 at age 20, our guest today, Ann Moss Rogers, has channeled her pain into becoming an education expert on mental health and suicide prevention. Welcome, Ann Moss. Thank you so much for having me and for tackling a difficult subject. It's tough and so, so necessary. So, and I just have to tell our listeners, I love this because here you are on the video and here is a huge picture of your son, Charles, right on your, like perched on your shoulder. So I want to hear more about Charles. Oh, gosh, he was six foot one, 130 pounds, just always the life of the party. He loved dogs. He loved people. Oh, my gosh. And loved to play games. And I even remember like around 2000 when video games got to be really Mm. big. Charles just crashed. He just like nobody will come outside. He 
he was just, you know, he couldn't stand it because he wanted to be out there in the cul-de-sac playing games, baseball, mm-hmm. wall ball. It didn't matter. And I will not say he was a stellar athlete. <laughs> he was really good at rock climbing. Uh, we would find out later, but he was kind of awkward and gangly, but he loved to play sports anyway. Mm-hmm. And always the one who would cuddle up in my lap as a baby and would throw his arms around me, even as a teenager, and say, I love you and kiss me on the cheek in front of all of his friends. You know, so Mm -hmm. he was never embarrassed by me, Uh which I never expected. I kept expecting what everyone else was telling me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we saw some issues in early elementary school, but I also noticed that Charles was a creative genius. In addition to being kind of like this magnet of a person that everyone wanted to be around, he's like sunshine and and everyone else is a planet orbiting around him. And I would kind of watch this phenomenon, like he has it, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. So he loved to be on stage and he was really, really good at it. He'd be in middle school and we saw some issues and everyone kept dismissing issues that I would bring up. And I love my husband, but, you know, oh, it's just a normal part of growing up. And I heard Mm -hmm. the same thing, the pediatrician, and I would press on, but I couldn't really find any allies. Now, the school was very supportive, but they're private schools, so it's not like they had you know, special services. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that was okay because he actually did well in that smaller environment. And I wish we had had that same environment for high school because then he wanted to go to public school and I could have pushed him into private, but they were really large and way across town and he had a sleep disorder. So that meant I would have Mm -hmm. to get him out of bed at 6.30. Well, let me tell you, getting him out of bed at 7.30 I needed a crane. All of the ones were so focused on college prep. Charles was very bright, really high IQ, but I wasn't real sure that was going to be the trajectory he was going to take. So I thought, you know, I don't want to set him up for failure. Sure. So we ended up going to the local high school because they made accommodations regarding his sleep disorder. Mm Mm-hmm. And the first year went okay, but I think he really struggled for that sense of belonging in a really large school Mm because he hadn't been in a really large place for a long time. And that wasn't what I was seeing. It was what my older son was seeing. But by his sophomore year, Charles is basically the most popular kid in school in all grades. I mean, he, he was the it kid. And my older son had strangely and oddly because this wasn't really Richard had gained this amazing popularity because he did a video series so both sons are chosen for homecoming court and I'm shocked because you know it's not even on my radar Charles is like a sophomore and that was kind of unheard of Mm -hmm. Richard actually won that year and you know, Janet, I really think that people, I remember them hitting, oh, wow, you, you family really has it made. 
Yeah. And what they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. We were already struggling with Charles's sleep disorder. I knew there was some kind of mental health issue in addition to his anxiety, but I hadn't really identified it yet. I wasn't, I wasn't seeing signs of depression. One of his teachers was, but I couldn't get a mental health professional to give me a diagnosis because I didn't ask the question psychological evaluation. I didn't use that phrase. And the one time I did get close to it, the social worker said, Charles isn't depressed. His problem is drugs mm. and alcohol. Mm-hmm. So we don't even need to do an evaluation. He would get one eventually in wilderness and it would say he suffered from major depression. He would end up um, really going to drugs and alcohol uh, mm-hmm. to numb thoughts of suicide that I never knew he had. He wrote a lot. He wrote rap music. He was on stage a lot acting. He was an amazing performer. I mean, no matter how small his role, he'd just kind of take the show. Take this, take the stage. Just, everybody would come watch Charles. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he just really held the audience in his hand. So as drug use starts to worsen and his father and I become very alarmed because Mm -hmm. he's taking a lot of risks. And I want everybody in the audience to know that when your child starts taking all these unnecessary, scary risks, it is a sign of depression. So say more a little bit about that, because I know our listeners are probably some of our listeners are like, oh, you know, how does this apply to my child and what what should I exactly. be looking for? And we know that depression shows up differently in boys. And I think that's getting to be a little more common. But, you know, mm-hmm. this was back in the early 2010, uh, 2015. So this, between 2010 to 2015. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the things he did... Um, I think he's high or drunk or one, but he gets on the back of a vehicle and they do donuts in the cul-de-sac and they're going like 40, 50 miles an hour. I mean, you know, they're, and he's just hanging on, on the back. And then he is thrown off and he cracks his skull and I come to the hospital and I'm like, Charles, you could, you could have died. And he's in ICU. And I get this blank look on his face, like, like he didn't care, you know, Mm. and and I'm like, maybe he didn't understand me or hear me. And it was just very, very strange. I'm at the hospital. I tell them, do not give him opiates. Mm -hmm. I go home for the 45 minutes I go home, take a shower and come back. I come back. He's all loopy and weird. And I went to the nurse's station. I'm like, did y'all give him something? I, I said, no. So, well, he is over 15. And if he says he's in pain, we have to give it to him. And I'm like, well, I said, no, he's under 18. They said, well, mm-hmm. we have to go with, I'm like, well, why didn't y'all tell me that when I told you not to give it to him? Yes. Yeah. I would have made sure somebody was out else would have been in the room mm-hmm. because he waited till I left. To, to ask for it. And that was his first taste of opiates. So you have kids who are just kind of thrill seekers. And sure. sometimes it can be hard to pick which one are thrill seekers that scare the life out of you and which ones are kind of 
on this path of, I don't care if I live or die. If mm-hmm. I do it by accident, well, then that that resolves my problem. And I don't have to think about suicide anymore because it'll take care of itself. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a gut feeling because the two are not the same. You know, the thrill seekers who want to jump out of airplanes and do that stuff are not the same as, as the kids who want to die by suicide. Mm-hmm. So you'll find a lot of boys will be angry and irritable. And Charles had moments of irritability, but probably one of the most unusual symptoms that nobody talks about. Well, it's not that unusual. It's the one nobody talks about is that he ended up at the school nurse a lot. And all throughout his life, he would catch like everything. He was always at the doctor. His older brother never caught anything. So having depression lowers your immune system. So you Mm. are more susceptible. And then he would be at the school nurse for things like headaches and muscle aches because he would tense up a lot from being so anxious and then get headaches from that as well. And then he would go there because he was out of breath. Well, that was panic attack. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I learned to coach my son through panic attacks, Mm -hmm. you know, with deep breathing techniques, which work if... You know, he would cooperate, which was very rare. Mm -hmm. Oh, mom, that doesn't work. And I want to just interrupt because I want to kind of get the timeline sequence here. So is this elementary? You said that in elementary school you saw issues, but is is this more high school? school. Okay, okay. Thanks. So I was seeing the visits to doctors and nurses from the time he is a baby to Mm. the time he's in high school. So Mm -hmm. I know the first name of every nurse of every school, but we're mostly focusing on high school at this point. Okay. I'm taking family pictures. I'm taking a lot of them. And then a friend of mine says, you take so many family photos somewhere. I thought I needed a lot of family photos. But what's interesting is when I would go back later and look at those photographs, I would catch him in a state of depression and then he would put on the mask of a clown. So in one of those four or five pictures, I would see depressed Charles Mm -hmm. and then I would get the Christmas card, Charles, Yeah, you know, and Mm -hmm. I didn't think of it at the time. Of course not. Of course not. And it wasn't until after he died and I went back years later and I looked at those photos and like, oh my gosh, there's so many that the camera captured, you know, because you were just the beginning of that shutter speed where it just took a lot of Mm -hmm. pictures. So Mm -hmm. you get the one where their eyes aren't closed. And we'd end up kidnapping him out of his bed and taking him to a wilderness program. And that was recommended by the psychologist we were visiting because my husband and I didn't know what to do. All this drug use, is it mental Mm -hmm. health, you know, what is what? Is it the quirks from being a creative genius? What are we looking at? And he had heard he was dabbling from another patient that Charles was dabbling in some really dangerous uh, substances, this stuff from China that was killing kids within like half hour. So he was concerned about that. And so we basically, we were introducing another trauma to our child. 
but you know, when you get yanked out of your bed and put in the woods in Georgia, that does not make for a happy teenager. No. It creates another trauma. And uh, Janet, I have no idea to this day if that was the right thing to do. All I knew is we were desperate and I mm-hmm. was watching my child self-destruct right before my very eyes. What I wish the therapist had told me was about support groups. I had asked every therapist I visited, were there any family support groups? And they were like, oh, none that I know of. I'm Mm. like, are you kidding me? So parents are kind of left out of this equation a lot of times, which is Mm -hmm. ridiculous Mm -hmm. because we need support too. After we return from these messages from our sponsors, Ann Moss will share some resources that are important for you and perhaps you can share with other parents who need this information. As Mother's Day is coming around, I find I'm missing my mom more and more. And there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to and bless her heart, She didn't answer very many, so that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology, and now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories, and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis, so that the prompts come, They're easily answered either written or voice to text, and they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. Mylifeinabook.com, create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code ONBOYS for 10% off. Go to mylifeinabook.com and use ONBOYS for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash 
on boys. So I'm going to tell you now what those support resources are because they're very important that if you're going through this, even if it's early on, find a discussion group, a support group, and you can find it at NAMI, which is National Alliance of Mental Illness. They have a parent support group. And you, some people are like, well, I don't know if my kid has mental illness. I started going, he wasn't diagnosed. I just mm-hmm. needed a group of people that knew what I was going through. And there's also Families Anonymous. If your child is misusing substances, Smart Recovery also has a family group. They are in person and online, all three of these resources. Okay. And we know that our beloved Jen, who isn't here today, will be listening and we'll put these in the show notes. All of these will be linked. Absolutely. So the last one was Smart. Smart Recovery has family support groups. So these Mm -hmm. are not groups where you sit around, you hold hands and you sing Kumbaya. There is crying in the groups, Mm -hmm. but... When something happens, they're the people who know the best places to take your child, who is taking appointments, who the best therapists are, because they're using those resources right then. So Mm -hmm. people reach out to me. I am not in that space every single day. Mm -hmm. They are. They know where those resources are. Well, and I can imagine too, Amos, of just this place of... And I hear it from your story too, of that beginning doubt, like you had some intuition that "Mm, this doesn't seem quite right. Blown donuts in the middle of the cul-de-sac on the back of a car. Huh. That doesn't seem right. And these other things, the sleep disorder. And yet it sounds like you had people from the outside saying, oh, he's fine. He's fine. Cause he's the light, you know, he's the light of the stage. He's fine. And yet it seems like you had that, just that that gut intuition, that gut. And so I really encourage our listeners, it's not going to hurt to reach out to any of these groups. And they're not going to say, oh, well, your son isn't far enough down the road yet. He hasn't been diagnosed. Exactly. I'm going to imagine they're pretty embracing of just that parent that's just like, I I got this feeling and I'm just not sure. And I want to know Mm -hmm. more. Right. Go with your gut. Don't let your brain talk you out of what you know in your gut. And everybody's so busy now, but early intervention works. Another resource is for substance misuse, CRAFT, C-R-A-F-T. It is a really good resource because they help you change how you communicate with your child because we're sort of in this punitive parenting, maybe yelling or shaming our child. And that never pushes somebody into recovery, by the way, uh, Mm -hmm. from whatever they're doing. But it increases the chance that your child will go into recovery. So that's another really good one. And there's some good books Mm -hmm. around, around craft. So he goes to wilderness He finally gets a psychological evaluation there, and they tell me he's got major depression. I had had one teacher tell me that, so it was on my radar. I -hmm, believed her. mm -hmm. I didn't dismiss what she said. I I just couldn't get anybody to, like, give me the diagnosis. Anxiety, ADHD combined type, which we already knew about, and cannabis dependent. So he had started using marijuana. And mm-hmm. many of your listeners are like, oh, well, at least it wasn't inherent. And let me tell you, marijuana is very, very dangerous drug. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we think, well, it can have fentanyl in it. It triggers psychosis and schizophrenia. I live in Oregon. It's legal here. And we think, oh, it's fine. It's legal. And as you said, it can be, depending on the source, it can be laced with fentanyl. And Mm -hmm. if your son is already kind of on the edge, as you said, it can trigger these other things happening you know, not to mention just the other things of using a drug in a developing brain and right. what that's going to do. And there is a, a, a marijuana support group. So if you go to your local support group and they're like, it's just marijuana and you're getting that kind of treatment, find that marijuana support group because mm-hmm. you, that is not the right way to treat people and you don't need to be in that group Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even if you straighten them out and you tell them the right way go find people who understand because it can lead to the dabs which is really really very serious and Mm -hmm. it can cause permanent brain damage it can bring down their iq in charles it uh, he heard voices Mm. on occasion Mm-hmm. But he would end up moving on from that that drug into other drugs. He was kind of a poly substance misuser, abuser, whatever you mm-hmm. want to, however you want to phrase it. So he would go from wilderness to therapeutic boarding school, a step he was even more excited about than going to wilderness. He hated it. And I would write him every single week and He'd write back occasionally and I would get the letter in the mail and it would be smoking. It was so mad. I called it mad mail. Mm. He never, ever indicated that anything we ever did was effective or working. I mean, it was like push, push, push. We did a Mm. lot of family work. And just when we thought we were making a little progress, he would send home that message of this isn't working at all and we were spending a lot of money and you know Charles just wasn't going to be put in a box you know he wasn't going to be forced into this so he comes home and I didn't think it was going to be a cakewalk but I thought he would start to use some of these resources and strategies he'd learned Mm because a lot of other kids did he did not he went back to using drugs and alcohol as his way of coping, because he's still having thoughts of suicide. And he's no one has told me at this point. And I know that some of the testing and some of the things he wrote that other people had seen, but nobody has told me anything. Oh, wow. So I'm still in the dark years mm-hmm. of him having these thoughts. It's come up in stuff they've done, but they haven't shared that with me, although they've shared that he was high risk. Mm -hmm. I want to pause right here because I think that this is a place where parents and teachers are not necessarily trained or educated around asking the question, are you considering harming yourself? Oh, no, that's you ask, are you thinking of suicide? Uh-huh. You don't okay. say harming yourself. Okay. Are you thinking of suicide or are you thinking of killing yourself? Absolutely verbal. And you will not be planting the idea in their head. So important. I just want to underscore that a hundred percent that it may be the hardest question you ask ever. Oh, God. I mean, and imagine, you have to yeah. imagine asking. 
start practicing in your shower with your windshield. And when you ask it, practice taking that deep breath because the most important part is that you do not panic after mm -hmm. you ask that question. Mm. I have asked that question now maybe a thousand times, but at least hundreds. And it was really uncomfortable at first, but it has remained uncomfortable. Mm. It's gotten easier to ask. What I have come to know is that it's going to be awkward and it's going to be uncomfortable. And I'll work through that. But allowing them to let that out of their brain and talk about it mm -hmm. is so important and to allow them to feel heard. I didn't know to ask him this question. It wasn't even on my radar. Mm -hmm. and he ends up becoming addicted. He goes to detox. He goes to rehab. He goes to a recovery house. He relapses. They take him back to detox. He sees a friend and they walk out. I'm like, where, where did he go? And we don't know. And for two weeks, we don't know where he is. And I'm thinking, I have to do this tough love thing. I'm not going to use the cuss word, but tough love is BS. And Charles is definitely not the kind of kid that we should have used that tactic on. And I've actually written a blog post on this because you may have other children in your household and they're using dangerous drugs. So you can't afford to have that over 18 child in your home. I understand that. That is understandable that you would have to, for the safety of the rest of your family, that family member is over 18, needs to find another place to live. Mm -hmm. And that scares you because you think they're going to end up on the street. Well, they can die in your home or they can die on the street or they can die wherever. I mean, that whole drug addiction piece is so difficult to work with. And those decisions are so hard, but never, ever withdraw love ever. And I do wish I had told my son, as much as I wish you to get well, I love you even if you don't. I wasn't doing things like paying his bills, although I paid his phone bill because I wanted to keep that line of communication open. Mm -hmm. But I would get a last phone call and my husband would get a last phone call and we didn't know it was our last phone call. I would find out later my son was in withdrawal, which is why he was screaming at me so much. And he was in, he was in pain, but I'd never heard of anybody in withdrawal. I didn't, yes. I, I didn't even, I wasn't even entirely sure he was addicted because he was over 18 and nobody had told me anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was in the dark with so much and my husband said, I'll be home. We'll go get him this weekend, wherever he is. And we are in a restaurant. We're planning on, you know, what that is. And I mean, I have just this awful, awful feeling all day. And then my husband gets a call on his cell phone. And for some reason, it's like, this is it. I, this is it. I've got this gut feeling. Alarm mm -hmm. bells are going off in my head. And they come and meet us in the parking lot and they tell us our son has died and then they tell us it was a suicide and the method left no question and my first thought is 
how can I be such an awful mother that I would not see pain this monumental and understand mm-hmm. that he was struggling with, with suicide? Mm-hmm. I mean, we were close, you know. I mean, I am in every rap song he's ever written, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't about me. I didn't understand why suicide and it would be a long time before I would. Yeah. But in that moment, and I spent years torturing myself that it was all my fault because that's what we do as parents. Absolutely. And another thing we do is we focus on the 5% we do imperfectly, ignoring the 95% we do right. Mm -hmm. We beat ourselves up all the time. We never give ourselves the credit of all the birthday parties and dinners and sleepovers and vacations and all the costumes that we put together. We don't take that into consideration. We just look at all, oh, it must have been that. Mm -hmm. My son didn't kill himself because I didn't love him enough. Yeah. He killed himself because he loathed himself and thought he was a burden on our family and thought we would be better off without him. And that wasn't wasn't that going to be better for us. I would take him back even in the flawed, you know, because my love was unconditional and he didn't know that. And you have done what our children in so many ways, uh, push us towards, force us to do whatever it might be in in small ways and in this biggest way of all is take that pain and channel it to help others. I mean, just this going through this story with you, there's so many little places of, ah, you didn't know. You didn't know the questions to ask. You didn't know the places to reach out to. You were assured by the teachers, all except one, he's fine because you're seeing all this evidence of he's on stage and he's doing this and he's doing that. And yet there was all this underlying that how would you know until it's happened? And to take all of that and to begin to share, you've written books and blogs and you are willing to relive this story on a daily basis in front of tens of thousands of listeners listening to you right now. And the incredible heart that that takes to be able to do that and the empathy and compassion for parents who are perhaps just at the beginning of this road or in the middle of it. And, you know, hopefully it has a different outcome than Charles's outcome. You know, I just want to commend you on that as a, um, just a compassionate outreach to other parents who are watching in confusion, in pain, in that place of, I don't know what to do. We'll take a brief pause here. Listeners, please take care of yourself. This is a lot. It's a big conversation. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, 
And then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Pausing for a word from our sponsors. We'll be back. I was folded up in my bedroom with the walls coming towards me. And that it was when he was in wilderness, I'm watching a webinar and it talks about Families Anonymous. And I stopped the tape. Mm. I looked at my husband. We looked it up in our area and I said, they meet this Thursday night. And he goes, we're going. Backing up to looking at mental health like that is way more in our common dialogue now than it was back in 2015 fortunately and I think we have this notion that mental health means we're always happy everything's easy and that isn't a true picture of mental health we had we had Dr. Lisa Damore on the podcast not too long ago she wrote the emotional lives of teens and she said um, I listened to that one. It did you? Yeah. Did. And I just loved where she said, you know, we can't expect ourselves or our kids to be happy all the time, but it's, it's no. giving them the tools to have the feeling and be able to safely express those feelings, those emotions. Right. And so I have a lot of like, especially dad saying, well, I asked my 11 year old, you know, and he won't talk to me. And my first question is, have you been vulnerable with him? And I'm going to give you an example. Uh, there is this mom who's going back to work. And she's like, I am so anxious. You know, I'm a nurse. I was there during COVID and it just brings up all these bad memories and she, you know, PTSD, but I have to go back. You know, I I got a house payment, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've gone through my um, mental health leave. And I said, well, why don't you ask your kids to help? And she's like, they're nine and 12. What can they do? And I'm like, well, they can do a lot. First of all, you need to tell them why you're sort of angry and irritable and maybe a little bit more short with them because they're going to think it's something they did. They're going to internalize all that. Number two, tell them why you're anxious. I'm anxious about going back to work. It's new people. You know, I was watching people dying and that was upsetting me. And I don't know what this new job is going to be like and Mm -hmm. if people are going to like me. And she said, she said to them, if you could just this week, as I'm going through this, if you could just give me some random hugs. And then they would do that. And of course, they noticed when they did that, that, you know, she's all stiff, and she would just soften. Mm -hmm. So she was giving them power. 
and some control. And she was also modeling that vulnerability. So let me tell you what those kids did. This is so lovely. So she gets to work the first day. She goes to lunch and she opens her lunch and her daughter has left her a note. It says, mom, I don't want you to be nervous on your first day. I love you so much. And I'm thinking about you all day today. And I can't wait to hear about how your first day went. And I want to hear whether it went bad or it went good. Wow. Oh, what? (laughs) And the next day, her nine-year-old had left a note. Much shorter. (laughs) They did this for two weeks. They would sneak downstairs, get her lunch out of the refrigerator and sneak in that note. And she goes, I had no anxiety because these sweet notes just kind of like, it just Mm -hmm. poured out of me. Mm -hmm. And you're empowering your child to help you. And you're letting them know that that connection with other people is okay because you're modeling it. So that, you know, I've got like nine parenting tips for teaching kids, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, how to cope. And that's one of them. And then we need to ask more questions, listen more and lecture less. I mean, when has Mm -hmm. lecturing ever worked? Never, <laughs> never. But we keep we keep trying it because there might be that one one time in that my one time five million. It's a, it's a waste of your time. So I got yeah. my kids to to help me, and I had them point out whenever I was lecturing, mm-hmm. and I would say, "I'm so sorry, you're right." And they would say, "Mom, that's unsolicited advice." And then when they said that, that was my cue to shut up and apologize and laugh at myself. Yes. And uh, four weeks later, I'd stopped lecturing and I have never done it since. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's all about just being vulnerable. And we feel like as the parents, we got to hold everything together and we've got to present, you know, that calm front and and we are not doing our kids a favor by doing that. And of course, you know, there is the age appropriate emotional sharing and we don't want to overburden our children, but it is super Good important. Point. Yeah, we but we need to be able to say, as you said in your example with the nurse of, yeah, I'm feeling super irritable this week and here's why. And our kids are so egocentric. They will always think it's about them and right. it's about something they did and what's wrong with me. And when we can just burst that bubble and say, this is, has nothing to do with you. This is about me starting that new job or whatever it might be. It just opens up that conversation a little bit more, a lot more. I want to just touch on here on the podcast. We talk a lot about the cultural messages, the societal messages that our boys are getting. Mm -hmm. And part of it is around this notion of, you know, you've got to be strong and you've got to be resilient and you've got to be able to do everything. And our boys often, we know that, especially in that like 18 to 24 age, our boys do not feel seen. They don't feel like anyone really gets them. And I think, I hope that it's starting to shift, but this notion of it's okay to seek help. It's okay to reach out to the school counselor to say, I don't, I don't feel right. But I still think there's kind of a message that 
it's not okay because I got to be strong. And I'm guessing that many boys might get that from their dads. What, what are your thoughts about all of that? Oh, I think it's huge. And so that's why when I'm at Rotary Clubs and it's mostly men that I tell them be more vulnerable. You've got to show them. And then on LinkedIn, I am connected to several men who are very vulnerable in their storytelling. And I'm always, thank you for making vulnerability a strength. And that is when I talk to teachers and when I talk to parents, we need to promote help seeking as a sign of strength. Mm -hmm. Because sharing your deepest, darkest, ugliest feelings it's not easy, right? right? It's difficult. It's mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And I start like I was at a university, NC State, and I did a survey. And I said, this is anonymous. But if you get them to do an anonymous thing, like if it's in a school or a camp situation, or even among friends where they may, if there are five people and they if you do that, they see that other people feel as they do. Yeah. And oh, there's something on mantherapy.org about, oh, science shows that men have feelings too. You know, I was constantly, people would come up to me after Charles died. And there was this sort of thinking that Randy was, my husband was going to be stronger than me. Mm -hmm. For him to not feel as deeply as I did about that loss, that would mean that he loved less. My husband didn't love my son less than I do. He hurt just as much. He struggled with it longer because the support systems and his ability to reach out for support was hard for him to find. Didn't go down the full-blown addiction route, but there was some drinking there to numb mm -hmm. the pain. Mm -hmm. And men will often do that. And then the best friend doesn't want to hear from them if they have a friend at all, which they're not encouraged anymore to have a best friend, apparently. Now that's a girl thing, mm -hmm. which we all need connections and support. It's and a human. It's a human thing. It's a human right. And these messages are out there still. And I, I, I think about our grown men, like I'm thinking about Randy. He probably didn't have a dad who was vulnerable and, you know, emotionally available because that's just a generational thing. It is. And I believe and I hope that your voice and our voice at On Boys is helping to kind of open that up and tease that apart. And as you said, you know, seeking help is a sign of strength. So I like to show that in my presentations. I don't like to tell them that. So what I did is show them a note from a university student who was an international student. And he came over, oh, I'm going to find the American dream. He got a girlfriend, girlfriend broke up with him. And he's like, I got nobody else. And then he struggled with thoughts of suicide. And he found a video online that I had done. And we conversed back and forth for six weeks. It was touch and go. I did wow. not think this kid would live. But 
What's important is to stay with the process. Don't think about the outcome, just stay with the process. You don't fix this. You listen to them first. Now, eventually he would ask me for strategies. And I said, okay, you get in that moment. Here are the strategies. And Mm -hmm. the one he went for was the intense exercise. And men will often be very open to that one. You know, they don't want to do the one with your face in a bowl of ice water, which also works, but they'll do an intense exercise. And then I, he was about two weeks in. I didn't even know this as a college student because I'm just doing YouTube comments. Mm-hmm. So I finally get that information out of him. I'm like, well, you know, there are resources on your campus. They are free. I would take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. And he did. He went there and I was so proud of him. Well, I heard from him. And this is the comment I showed the college students. So I told them the whole story. Mm-hmm. And it said two years, I wanted to end it all. And one person in this world listened to me and allowed me to feel heard. And it was you. Wow. And it allowed me to find my way out of the darkness. And it's been three years. And I wanted to let you know that I'm doing really well. And if there's some way I can help, please let me know. And I still got to get back to him because I'd love for him to do wow. a, a video or audio. I don't know. Yes. Wow. Your work in the world is so powerful. Tell our listeners how they can find find you online. Uh, mental health awareness education is one place. You can look up Ed Moss Rogers or you can look up the Emotionally Naked blog. So I have two blogs. I write a lot. And you've written a couple of books as well. So I have a diary of a broken mind and that's my memoir. And then emotionally naked, a teacher's guide to preventing suicide and recognizing students at risk. And And I have some free eBooks on the same as my books page. And it's, you know, how to spot depression. Uh, What do you do if your child admits they're suicidal? Oh, Ann Moss, thank you so much for all the work you do in the world. And I'm just thinking of Charles as, of course, I told our listeners, like looking at his face behind you is just, uh, he sparkles. Yes. And thank you so much for being here. Ann Moss has shared so many valuable resources in this episode, and you can go to the show notes. All the links will be posted there. Please share this critical conversation with your school counselors, with your teachers, with other parents. Share it on social media. This is a crisis and we need to know how to manage it. Thank you so much for being our listeners. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. And I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.